Personally, Crucius Dinamicius Nostris, Liberos Deus Noster. In nome of Patris, et Filius Spiritus Sancti Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. It stands to reason that our first topic of conversation with our Lord in this gathering on this annual course is on the fact he loves us so much, divine filiation. And as we begin, we put this special means of formation in our Lord's hands through Our Lady and through Saint Jose Maria's intercession, especially since he received a direct locution, if my dates are correct, on August 5th, 1931 on a train in the middle of the world, as it were, that he was nothing less than a son of God. This is not a new truth. In fact, it's Catholic Theology 101. We have been made children of God by our Lord's redemption. It's interesting to note that the very first Christians heard this very explicitly and what's never just coincidental but providential that those first ones, those heroic followers of Christ in the middle of the world are our immediate role models and this is what they heard from John's first epistle chapter 3. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called his children, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So this new relationship is virtually one of the first revelations to those followers of Christ. In fact, John begins his gospel proclaiming that we have a new relationship with God. We are his children from the get-go. Lord, we ask you to help us penetrate this truth, that we can never sufficiently penetrate it. Is it a mystery? Indeed it is. We have been made children in the Son. I won't turn this into a theology class, but we are, and as St. Paul reveals, there's no man or woman, Greek or Jew. We are children in the Son. You, daughters and son through the Son. So God the Father loves us in the Son. Mary loves us in her Son. Since you'll be studying history of the Church, why 
why not start now? Uh, we celebrate the 500th anniversary. We, we don't celebrate it. We commemorate it, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And one difference, everyone believes in the redemption, that Jesus died on the cross and saved us. We have a common belief there. But then the beliefs diverge on this whole subject of divine filiation because the Catholic teaching is that when we're redeemed, it's not that God the Father looks the other way and that we are kind of, we're flawed, we're intrinsically sinful and the grace of God just covers over us like a blanket which moves God the Father to look the other way. We're covered with grace, but inside ourselves we're the same, corrupted, where the Catholic version is. We're children of God because we've become reborn in Jesus Christ. We've been Christified. We've become like Christ the Son. Now, as we meditate on this topic, on a practical level, we want to have this as a backdrop. We don't want to be anxious, fearful, feelings of uncertainty. We don't want to worry. And that's when this sense of divine filiation kicks in to our everyday practical life. That's what we want. This is not a new truth. Saint Jose Maria didn't come up with some brilliant insight. It's, it's an insight that is basic to the Gospels. It's the whole reason for the redemption. Because now that we're children of God, we could receive the sacraments, we could be baptized, we could enter into heaven. We could become saints. Because now we have Christ's DNA in us. And we could become Christ-like. And not that this grace of divine filiation is going to change my temperament or my struggles, but it needs to be much more the backdrop of my life. And it always needs to be my reference point. And so practical that, yeah, I may have this proclivity to worry or to be fearful, to get anxious, but part of my struggle is, all right, it's there, but I'm not going to give in to it. Not as, you know, some psychological or emotional exercise, that's, that's fine too. And nothing's incompatible, truth is one big unit. But because I'm nothing less than a child of God, and my Father is infinite, all-powerful love, we will look at it, but what challenges our sense of divine filiation is the mystery of the cross. Again, speculatively, we believe in the cross. It's an intrinsic message in the gospel. As one kid told me a number of years ago, I said, you have to factor in the cross, and he corrected me. Oh, no, no, you don't factor that in. That's essential. I'm like, well, okay, thank you. Yeah, it's essential. And because of that reality, that challenges our divine affiliation. Why did St. Jose Maria receive an explicit locution of a truth he knew already? 
for many reasons, which all reinforce each other. One reason was personal, because his whole life, because he was founder of Opus Dei, that was part of the path the Lord led him on, is that his whole life would be a way of the cross. Someone liked the three-volume series, liked it, but there was another side to him who didn't like it because uh, there's too high a price to pay to be a saint. He said, if that's what it takes to be a saint, this is kind of uh, quite overwhelming, quite intimidating. Anyway, everyone has their own grace. And he says in his, probably originally in his own intimate notes, God is my father, even though he may send me suffering. He loves me tenderly, even while wounding me. Jesus suffers to fulfill the will of the Father, and I also wish to fulfill the most holy will of God, following in the footsteps of the Master. It will be a sure sign of my sonship because God is treating me as he treated his only son, his own son. It's not all of it, there's more to it. Lord, how, what do you want me to look at? Well, this closeness to God the Father stating the ridiculously obvious, it's a closer relationship than with our natural parents. A mom and a dad both equally reflect the fatherhood of God that transcends gender, but he's called father. When we were born, mom and dad were stuck with us. They loved us as a mom and dad. It kicks in. Ideally, it should kick in at the moment of conception. But it really kicks in at birth. And all of a sudden, there's a new dimension to love. I'm a father. I'm a mother. And I love that child regardless of talent, of health, of looks, of appearance because of my relationship with that child. One kid was getting into trouble. I was friends with his father, mother as well, and I promised I'd pray for the young man. And I ran into his parents after mass. I don't remember which church it was. I don't know if it was a different city. But it happened a few times, that's why I'm not sure which is which. Or let's just say St. Mary's, just to be on the safe side. I know one of those encounters occurred there. And I just, you know, I asked the, the dad, how's your son doing? And he said, much better. And the mom started to cry. And I said, well, I, I thought he was doing much better. And then, you know, amid sniffles, a little bit of a scene there, she said, well, if, all you need to do is bring up my son, and I get very emotional. I'm so sorry. I go, don't be sorry. This is, this is an anecdote I'm going to use for a homily or a meditation. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be all repeats. So thank you. I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. And so you, this whole this new relationship a mom and dad has already elicits a love that's going to last for a lifetime. And the dad's going to reflect the love of the father, and the mom's going to reflect the love of the father. But our relationship with God the Father is a bit different. I mean, 
yeah, I know, we're adopted children, okay, I know that. But it's because God planned me out. He formed me. As those number of Psalms referred to, that God planned me out in my mother's womb. And I, the Holy Spirit emphasizes that in the Old Testament. That what makes each one of us so special is that God has willed you and me personally. And there's only one of me. You may say, well, thank God. But there's only one of me. And so, you know, uh, a low self-esteem is certainly not God's will. Why? Because he planned me out. He wants me the way I am, a saintly version of myself. But he, that's who he wants. So it's not only that God the Father, as it were, to put it in colloquial terms, he was stuck with me when I was born. No, he wasn't stuck with me. He assembled me. He willed me. He planned me. And part of this plan, as St. Paul reveals, is that before the creation of the universe, one of the perks of being God, that there's no past, present, or future, he willed my holiness. That's what he willed. This is God's will that you be saints. That's his vision for me, that I live in the Son. But this has a number of connotations. I mean, in a sense, if God is my Father, and, I, and not only is my Father, He assembled me, He wants the way I am, He wants me, a holy me, but He wants me, a natural conclusion is that omnium bonum. And that's what our Father saw. That's why, well, in Rome there's more marble, so etched in marble all over the place. You have that. Latin phrase taken from St. Paul, which was also addressed to the first Christians. All things work out for the best for those who love God. Omnium bonum. It's a phrase from that. That is natural consequence of this divine filiation with the cross. And we bring another aspect of being loved. An obvious aspect. When you love someone, you don't want that person to suffer. You do not will the suffering of someone. And so you and I, we love someone, even if we don't, but let's say we love someone, we're not going to you know, step on their toe, especially if they don't have shoes on. All right? But if we love someone and something's wrong with the toe and they need an operation to fix the toe and the recovery is a bit painful because... Uh, bone has to be cut. Will I will that the person, that person whom I love, that undergo an operation so that person could walk better? Yes. I'll never step on the toe because I don't want that person to suffer. And no, I don't want that person to get an operation for an operation's sake. I want that person to walk better. So yeah, I do, in a certain sense, I do will the pain as a means to walk better. Because that's, that's what's best for my friend. And when God is, is behind everything, because he's in control, and we don't understand his ways, we're not supposed to. I mean, if Mary didn't get it, how are we supposed to get it? If Joseph didn't get it, how are we going to get it? Lord, we're practical Americans here. Give us the help medic menu. How do I grow in this sense of divine filiation we ask that question prayerfully. Our Father needed this sense of divine filiation. 
he needed to really trust that God was his loving father because he had mountains to cross. And that's why one of his first spiritual considerations when he was when he had this monumental task, or God was going to work this monumental task through him, that the waters will pass through the mountains. And his early consideration, God wants Opus Dei, and God is going to give me the means to do it, and God's not going to choose me so that I could embark upon an adventure of frustration and futility and failure. It's not going to happen. And he had this locution because everybody in the work needs to have this as their foundation. Lord, I ask you the question, how do I live this? I want it to grow. Again, it's St. John in his gospel this time. During the Last Supper event, our Lord's virtual last words addressed to his apostles, only his close followers hear this for the first time. And he says this maybe three times, at least twice. If a man or a woman loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. Let's just detain ourselves for a moment. God the Father loves us regardless whether we keep his word or not. Then what, why is Jesus saying this then? I mean, i got to win points, it seems, to be loved by God the Father. In order to benefit from the effects of his love, we need to unite ourselves to Christ, because that's our Lord the Father's plan, that we be united to Christ, and he can work sanctity. If a man loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And so there's lots of allusions to this sense of being loved, this sense of divine filiation. Again, he who has my commandments and keeps them, what are those commandments? Jesus now is talking about first time. He talks about his commandments. He never talked about his commandments until now. Why do he wait so long? Well, because his commandments, is he's his commandments. His words are his commandments. He's talking about contemplation. He doesn't say, he who learns my commandments, or he who knows my commandments, it's keep my commandment, has my commandments. I meditate on his word, and I try to live it. Meditate and live it. I unite myself through the word and the bread. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I don't mean to mislead you, but he says this, I think, six times. The vine and the branches is more of the same. Keep my word, unite yourself to my word. As I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, as the Father has loved me, and, and so, is, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how do I grow in this, Lord, in this sense of divine filiation? And we go back to that first consideration. Well, you need to live more in my son because I love you through my son. You've been reborn. Develop that seed through your struggle. 
grace first and struggle. Struggle to keep my word. Be a contemplative. That's what that means. A word you absorb with your mind and your heart. A word is not there to be in a display case. It's there to be accepted, to become part of us. Lord, what does it mean that you manifest yourself to us? That we keep falling in love with him. It becomes more part of our life, and as that happens, I grow in this sense of divine filiation. Mary, help us live this point in Forge, number three, the first chapters on divine filiation. My father, talk to him like that, confidently, who art in heaven. Look upon me with compassionate love and make me respond to your love. Melt and enkindle my hardened heart. Burn and purify my unmortified flesh. Fill my mind with supernatural light. Make my tongue proclaim the love and glory of Christ. Mary, we put these sentiments in your hands and we please try to humbly ask you to increase that trust in God the Father that we call divine filiation. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for